From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on March 23, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. In this episode, we look at the resignation of embattled Comptroller General Richard Ekstrom over his $4 billion double counting error. We get a debrief on the Murdoch double murder trial with lead prosecutor Creighton Waters and Attorney General Alan Wilson. In business, interest rates are going up, but Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the recent turmoil in the banking industry has changed rate hikes for the year. We hear from Dr. Joey Von Nessen at the University of South Carolina about the impact of Scout Motors and the recent $2 billion investment the company will have in the state and much more. Also, one thing that won't change is that we'll have our first live taping of 2023 on April 13th. That's right, Thursday, April 13th at Kite Hill Brewing in Clemson at 6 p.m. We're going to have some of your favorite guests on. We're going to be talking about 2024. We're going to have a big wind-down section, all the fun stuff, and we'll have swag, some freebies for y'all. We need to know who's going to come. It's going to be a free event, of course, but we want to know how many people are coming so you can RSVP and get more information at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And again, our live taping at Kite Hill Brewing in Clemson is on April 13th at 6 p.m. We'll see you there. And if we won't see you there, well, just unsubscribe now. Or give us a call and tell us why you can't come or where we should go in the state because we love hearing from you guys across the state, across the country, and the world. You can do that by giving us a toll-free call at 803-563-7169. Operators are standing by 24-7, 365, even during daylight savings time. We love hearing from you. Drop us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. Let's lead off with the biggest news of the week, and that is that Comptroller General Richard Ekstrom will be resigning as Comptroller General, the state's top accountant, on April 30th after a $4 billion double-counting error that inflated state cash balances. In a letter hand-delivered to the governor's office on Thursday, Ekstrom said, quote, It is with a deep sense of gratitude to the people of South Carolina that I resign as Comptroller General. I have never taken service to the state I love or the jobs to which I have been elected lightly endeavoring to work with my colleagues from constitutional officers to members of the General Assembly to be a strong defender of the taxpayer and a good steward of their hard-earned tax dollars. They deserve nothing less, quote. Ekstrom said he'll be stepping down effective April 30th, which will give the General Assembly time to elect a replacement, and that he remains supportive of an amendment to make the office of Comptroller General an appointed position. Moving on, I sat down with Attorney General Alan Wilson and lead prosecutor Crane Waters for a debrief after the AG's office won the trial of the century with a double murder conviction against disgraced attorney Alec Murdoch for killing his wife Maggie and son Paul. But I opened our interview by asking about a new major development in a case tangential to this, and that is the 2015 death of Stephen Smith. Originally, his death was ruled a hit and run after his body was found suspiciously on a two-lane Hampton County road. But the case was reopened in the wake of the June 2021 Murdoch murders and has now been ruled a homicide by Sled Chief Mark Keel. Here's what Attorney General Alan Wilson said about the matter. Well, as you already know, we can't make uh, comments uh, on ongoing 
investigation. So, I mean, at, that, at this point, we're happy to talk about the Murdoch uh, trial and the case involving the double homicide, but uh, we, we can't make any comments regarding any potential ongoing investigations at this time. Okay, you can't talk about any evidence that you guys saw that maybe prompted all this to, to go down? So, sorry, it's, it's ongoing, so we obviously have to preserve the integrity of the, the process, and so we can't make comments at this time regarding anything that people are talking about out there. Gotcha. I understand that. So, uh, General Wilson, let's just talk about the Murdoch trial, like you said. Uh, that six-week double murder trial, which you and lead prosecutor Crane Waters, who you're with right there, uh, you all led that case. Uh, you attended nearly the entire trial yourself, also led some questioning. Looking back, I want to get both of you all to weigh in on this. Just tell us, uh, what were some key moments for you that really solidified the guilt of Alex Murdoch in that double murder? Well, first, I want to give full credit to Creighton and the team of prosecutors and investigators and support staff. Creighton will probably do the same thing in just a second. But um, I think the key moment for me was uh, probably the introduction of the kennel video coupled with Creighton's cross-examination of Alex Murdoch. You know, Alec Murdoch being the critical piece of evidence himself. His testimony, I think, ultimately sealed his fate. But that coupled with his mounting cascade of lies uh, that he was confronted with, I, I think that ultimately hung him. How about you, Creighton? What do you, you were in that courtroom all six weeks, obviously building this case. Um, what stood out to you, kind of contrasting there with what we just heard from Attorney General Wilson? Well, I would agree with that. And again, I have to credit the whole team as well. This was a team effort. And the only way we were going to survive bringing a case like this to trial so quickly, uh, the defense moved for a speedy trial and uh, maybe to their surprise, we gave them one. Uh, and so there was a lot of evidence that we had to go through. Uh, but obviously the kennel video is just uh, huge. You know, having Alec at the murder scene with the two victims just moments before they died and of course lying about it. Uh, that's, that's obviously very devastating evidence, but not the only evidence in the case. Um, and uh, again, you know, it just was an amazing effort from the entire team here at the Attorney General's office, but also our partners at SLIN and all the law enforcement uh, agencies working on the case. And, uh, and I really, I think, was uh, most uh, proud of the process itself, uh, how it played out on the national and international stage, uh, that, uh, you know, the process in South Carolina acquitted itself well. And, you know, obviously a huge part of that was uh, Judge Newman at the helm. And uh, I'll even credit the defendants. Uh, it was, uh, I think, a professionally tried case. So, Crane, kind of elaborate for me there on that video, uh, that the video that showed that Murdoch was there at the scene of the crime at the time. Um, why was that just so important, and what, and how did you guys get that video? Did you know it existed the entire time, or was that maybe something that came later in the game? Well, it, it came later in the case, and again, uh, you can't get around, and I think I've said this, uh, having L.A. at the scene of the murders with the victims just moments before they died and lying about it. But that uh, video, uh, Paul's phone, um, law enforcement was unable to get into until uh, April of 2022. Uh, we had developed a lot of evidence in the case, and obviously there was a, a, a huge white-collar uh, you know, investigation going on that really the allegations here go to the heart of the system. Uh, but ultimately, uh, sometimes you know the simplest uh, expo you know, uh, explanations are the ones you look for. Uh, law enforcement was able to use Paul's birthday to get into his phone, and once we had that kennel video, uh, you know, we, we all heard his voice on there. Um, you, know, you still have to explore that. Prior to that, there was a young man who said he thought he heard Alec uh, on the phone at that, um, during that relevant time period. But that's, you know, that's sometimes where circumstantial evidence or direct evidence like the cell phone is more powerful uh, than a witness statement. Because Alec said, oh, he must be mistaken. And, uh, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't hear me. But uh, the jurors all could hear Alec on that. And then, uh, Attorney General Wilson, tell me about the financial aspect of this, too, and how critical it was to have that introduced into the case. 
Well, again, um, you know, we got this case in, I guess, August and really started rolling in September right after the roadside shooting that everyone got to hear about. Um, initially, the investigation went straight to the, you know, Craig did a great job with his folks in the grand jury, did a great job of uncovering all of his financial misdeeds, the number of people he was obviously defrauding, um, you know, his members of his own family, his law partners, uh, clients, people he'd known for many, many years um, that we were able to uncover. You know, I think, it was, I believe it was around 17 indictments involving 99 charges, if I remember correctly. But that really kind of started to create a, a, a framing or context for what led to the ultimate uh, fateful night on June 7, 2021. This is a guy who was running out of runway. This is a guy who was becoming desperate. This is a person who we believed um, was obviously, his whole life was built on uh, the foundation of his family legacy, his family name, and that was about to all go away. And that ultimately led to him going to the drastic uh, measures that he did when he murdered his wife and son. So I, I, I attribute a lot of the work that was done in the financial case which really built the foundation for the murder case. Crane, when we talk about Alec actually taking the stand, um, just tell me how big of a, a flaw that was, you think, in determining the guilt here, especially when you hear from maybe some of the jurors who talked about that moment. Uh, what did you make of him taking the stand? Well, I mean, that's a, the absolute right of a defendant to do so. I mean, it's not the decision of his attorneys, it's the decision of the defendant. Uh, but we were always confident that he was going to take the stand. Uh, and that's because we knew as we developed this investigation, and to be clear, I'd never talked to Alec Murdoch in life until uh, you know, I stood up to do that cross-examination. But uh, uh, we were always confident that he was going to take the stand because we uh, believed that he felt that his ability to speak to those jurors, much as he had done as a trial attorney in that very circuit uh, with that family influence and family legacy for so long, uh, that he would be able to uh, look them in the eye and convince them. And, and uh, we thought that if he did that, that we could then get up and show the jury that he could just effortlessly uh, look them in the eye and try look them in the eye and try to, to watch them as well. You can find that whole interview with Attorney General Alan Wilson and lead prosecutor Creighton Waters on YouTube.com/slash South Carolina ETV. Are you interested in interest rates? Well, I got one for you. They're going up. Oh. Translation, uh, bad for our wallets, but good for beating inflation, which is also bad for our wallets. Send us your wallets. Care of Gavin Jackson. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Now, the Federal Open Market Committee this week approved a 0.25% increase in the benchmark federal funds rate, taking it to a target range of 475 to 5%. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell spoke with reporters this week and addressed questions dealing with the turmoil in the banking system following the failure of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and their effect on rates and future hikes. I guess our view is that the, the banking system is sound and it's resilient. It's got strong capital and liquidity. We took powerful actions with Treasury and the FDIC, which demonstrate that all depositors' savings are safe and that the banking system is safe. Deposit flows in the banking system have stabilized over the last week. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that we've undertaken, we're undertaking a thorough internal review that will identify where we can strengthen supervision and regulation. $300 billion has already been lent to cash-strapped banks from the Fed. 
the Associated Press reports that nearly half of the money, $143 billion, went to holding companies for two major banks that failed. That's SVB and Signature again. That triggered widespread alarm in financial markets. An additional $148 billion in lending was provided through a long-standing program called the Discount Window and amounted to a record level for that program. The Fed has also lent an additional $11.9 billion from a new lending facility it announced last Sunday. The new program enables banks to raise cash and pay any depositors withdrawing funds. Now, Powell expanded further on why the Fed won't be raising rates further this year as the fallout of the banking crisis continues. And really it is that the, the intermediate data on inflation and the labor market came in stronger than expected. And really before the recent events, we were clearly on track to continue with ongoing rate hikes. In fact, as of a couple of weeks ago, it, it looked like we'd need to raise rates over the course of the year more than we'd expected at the time of the SCP in December, the time of the December meeting. We are committed to restoring price stability, and all of the evidence says that the public has confidence that we will do so, that we'll bring inflation down to 2 percent over time. It is important that we sustain that confidence with our actions as well as our words. So we also assess, as I mentioned, that the events of the last two weeks are likely to result in some tightening of credit conditions for households and businesses and thereby weigh on demand on the labor market and on inflation. Um, such a tightening in financial conditions would, would work in the same direction as rate tightening. In principle, as a matter of fact, you can think of it as being the equivalent of a rate hike or perhaps more than that. Uh, of course, it's not possible to make that assess assessment today with any precision whatsoever. So our decision was to move ahead with a 25 basis point hike uh, and to change our guidance, as I mentioned, from ongoing hikes to uh, some, some additional hikes, maybe some policy firming may be appropriate. So going forward, um, as I mentioned, in assessing the need for, for further hikes, we'll be focused, as always, on the incoming data and the evolving outlook, and in particular on our assessment of the actual and expected effects of credit tightening. Next up, this week, Governor Henry McMaster signed the $1.3 billion incentive package for Scout Motors. The incentive package includes things like an interchange for the site on Interstate 77, road improvements around the facility in Blythewood, a railroad bridge to the 1,100-acre site, a $25 million training center owned by Midlands Tech, and other infrastructure upgrades. Another 4,000 jobs and $2 billion in investment could come in Phase 2 of this project and would manufacture another vehicle line. Now, I recently spoke with the University of South Carolina research economist Dr. Joey Von Nessen about our economy and the growing role of electric vehicles in our manufacturing industry. Our conversation took place before the recent Federal Reserve action and the banking crisis, but here's Joey talking about the economy. Uh, I, I think the probability of a recession sometime within the next 12 months is, is probably around 50 percent, maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, and we'll see when we're, we're taping this. We don't we don't have the, the February jobs report out yet. Uh, but what those data show will influence our 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 probability for this for a recession this year, depending on whether it's a strong or a weak jobs report. But but in general, we, we are moving in the right direction. Uh, we are seeing inflation come down, but it's it's going to take a bit longer than than anticipated. And, and we'll see how again, we'll see how the new jobs data come out and affect that forecast. 
So some tricky economic news right there, Joey, but some bright news that we've been seeing, you know, just kind of continuing on with the news that we saw coming out of the later part of 2022 with these jobs announcements here in South Carolina specifically, uh, especially in the electric vehicle industry, that sector of the automotive industry. Uh, we just saw a huge announcement for Scout Motors here in Richmond County to the tune of $2 billion and several thousand jobs. Uh, some people have called this transformative. It will break, They'll break ground in the middle of this year and they'll really go into production in, in the next coming years. Uh, tell me what you think about the significance of this to have another huge automotive manufacturer relocate to the state? Well, this is extraordinarily significant for South Carolina, both for the state as a whole and for Richland County. It's the biggest economic development announcement that we've seen in Richland County's history. But more broadly, it also reflects that, tra- that South Carolina is effectively transitioning towards the production of electric vehicles in line with consumer demand. We're seeing a, a rapid movement towards electric vehicles, towards the consumption in China, in Europe, in the United States. And this is becoming an important market component of the automotive sector. And so South Carolina has to pivot with this broader global industry trend. And the reason that's so important is because if we look backwards over the last several decades, the automotive industry has been one of the principal drivers of the state's economic growth. So it's very important that the state's automotive industry as a whole reflects and transitions with broader consumer demand as it shifts towards electric vehicles. And that way we can ensure that the growth in the coming decades uh, is able to be as strong and as positive as we've seen in in previous decades. And and this announcement uh, pretends good things for South Carolina because it shows that we are moving in that direction effectively. Now, to use a car pun, we're going to stay in this lane of this growing sector of electric vehicle manufacturers and related industries. On Wednesday alone, a total of $1.6 billion in economic investment and 600 jobs were announced for two lithium battery projects in the state. The governor's office announced that Albemarle Corporation, a global leader in transforming essential resources such as lithium and bromine into critical ingredients for mobility, energy, connectivity, and health, announced plans to establish South Carolina operations in Chester County. The company will invest at least at least $1.3 billion and create more than 300 new jobs to construct a new Megaflex lithium hydroxide processing facility. This facility will support the surging demand for electric vehicles and other energy storage applications that use lithium-ion batteries. Albemarle is headquartered in Charlotte. Also announced was Servo Solutions, a comprehensive battery management and materials company that says it will build its newest state-of-the-art flagship operations in Richland County. This integrated lithium-ion battery materials campus will be an initial investment of over $300 million and will create more than 300 new jobs. It will be located at Pineview Industrial Park in Columbia, and Super Solutions' new facility will be the first phase of its investment. The company plans to build an approximately 400,000-square-foot, world-class lithium-ion battery recycling and materials campus that will focus on processing end-of-life hybrid and EV batteries and gigafactory scrap to extract critical materials such as nickel, cobalt, and lithium. These key metals will support the United States' domestic lithium-ion battery supply chain and will provide enough premium recycled battery-grade metal salts to power over 500,000 electric vehicle batteries annually. These EVs, baby, they take a lot. And on the way out, SC Housing announced this week that the South Carolina Homeowner Rescue Program Our federally funded emergency homeowner assistance program will begin its wind down in April after helping more than 15,000 South Carolina families remain in their homes. 
The program, which was intended to be a temporary response in the wake of the financial hardships caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, has provided $88.75 million to date in mortgage and utility assistance across our state. Now, SC Housing said that they will stop accepting new applications at 11.59 p.m. on April 20th. Should funds remain or should funds become available after all prior applications are reviewed, the SC Homeowner Rescue Program will notify waitlisted parties on a first-come, first-served basis, inviting them to complete an application. AT's like, oh, if you're not using, <laughs> if you're not using any battery salt, you're not using salt. <laughs> Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. We're always glad you're here. This is our chance to talk, just us. Hey. Talking, talking the car while you're We're driving. just rapping, okay? Who is that? Is that A.T. Shire? Oh, lead it, producer. Thank you, guy. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So good to see you, A.T. Gavin, I mean, this is a true high point in my life. This, mm. at, this, this moment mm-hmm. in this studio. Yeah. My, oh, my. Wow. I mean, Hashtag what blessed. a life you've lived. Hashtag blessed, you know, truly. This is this it's is a Thursday. We're ha- taping on a Thursday, folks. Which I mean, that's why I sound different. Uh, yeah, Gavin has been struggling through this. I'll, I'll, I've been clearing my throat. You know what? Every I'm other not, sentence. I'm not even gonna edit this one. I'm just gonna throw it up raw. Okay, no edits. People will be like, "Oh my god!" Straight through. What's wrong with that boy's voice? <laughs> He's sick. I'm sure of it. <laughs> He's got the sickness. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, we got two calls. Wow. Isn't that great? That is. Okay. The topics, disparate at best. Okay? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so uh, here we go. First call. This is one of my very good friends, uh, numerous time caller, long time listener. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Hey, Gavin and AT. It's your good friend, CJ. I'm calling from my home office on this kind of cloudy Wednesday morning. I was just catching up on the lead uh, past couple episodes. Uh, Listen backwards, of course, because that's the way my podcast app does. Uh, but I just got around to Saturdays, and uh, your call to action, AT, really inspired me. Uh, as you know, your our other good friend Chris and I went down to a Braves game last year uh, so we could get our World Replica World Series rings and. Uh, in front of us, we witnessed the travesty that you spoke of. We saw uh, a group of ladies in front of us, one of which dispensed an unnecessary amount of mayo onto uh, her hot dogs. And Chris and I watched in horror. Uh, I believe somebody may have a picture. I'll look. If not, Chris does. And I'll get him to send it to, it, to me to, to send to you. Uh, of course, redact all facial images. Um, but yeah, so I, I witnessed that in person. It was deeply upsetting, uh, and I still have nightmares about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I believe the proper way to eat a hot dog is just with uh, one moderate line of mustard and maybe some relish. But I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, continue to do the good work, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, CJ, calling us from his home office, luxury. A little brag, little brag. Dig it. I know he's stoked on that, so I'm happy, CJ. My home office is my bed because I can lay <laughs> horizontal, of course. Um, but, yes, I love that he – there's that slight pause and he's like an unnecessary amount yeah. of mayo on the hot dog. And I got I got the exact image in my mind of just how much 
mayo went on that hot dog. I would like I to cringed, argue that, that any amount is a necessary amount on a hot dog. But I do like that we've created this, like, uh, hot dog thought police out in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, China might have something right. And it should, there should be social credits for what you put on hot dogs. No. <laughs> <laughs> While I am nothing but disturbed and shaken to my core, which is, in fact, a beef hot dog inside. Yeah, Gavin has a huge core, too. Like, it doesn't <laughs> shake very much. So to dense. be shaken all the way very to the dense. center. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot put on your hot dog. <laughs> I'm going to strongly recommend, but I won't tell you because that's your right. Mm. Until someone says otherwise, until Big Mayo or Big Hot Dog. Big Mayo is coming for our dogs. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure, I mean, hopefully it was Duke's Mayo, but any mayo at this point is just going to be. I don't, I've never seen a Duke's dispenser like that yet. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Disgusting, dude. That was, sound, that was a sound effect. No, that was real. Gavin's. That was, that was a sound effect machine. He's been working on his Foley. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. That's That's someone who just finished a hot dog. Anyway, CJ, thank you for calling. Yes, yes, CJ, my very good friend. I talk to him every day. We have multiple group chats that we're in together. Everyone is smarter now for knowing that. Yes, I love him so much. Please call me more often. Anyway, Gavin, are you ready for another very good friend of the pod's call? Yes. Yes? Okay. Yes. This one is not about any condiments or any sort of food vehicles, be they sandwiches or not. So are you ready? Yes. Hey guys, it's Amy. Uh, this whole salt water versus fresh water thing has really got me thinking. Grew up on the um, coast, on the beach, love the salt water, still love it when I go home. But there's just something about jumping into Lake Murray and not getting salty that is just so refreshing. So, as I like the salt water still, you can't be jumping into the fresh water. All right, have a good one. Amy Crouch, our producer. Oh, we love News Amy. director Amy Crouch at ETV. Also mm -hmm. produces This Week in South Carolina. We love you from Amy. Nice little plug. Um, yeah, I mean, best of both right there. It sounded like but salt water for life. Salt uh, life. So I, she's hung up on the salt on you. Mm. That, that It has never crossed my mind or bothered me. Like my my beef with freshwater, and it's not really a beef, but like. Beef hot dog. It has nothing to do with. All beef hot dog. It, it has nothing to do with no salt on me. I just, you're on the beach. There's no beach with a lake, Ugh. right? I, it's a really sad looking one, yeah. I love the beach. A lot of people don't like the beach. Which Why? is interesting because of the sand. They can't handle this. The sand's everywhere. I don't understand that at all. I mean, if you get sand on you, you can just go into the ocean no. and clean the sand it, off. It, they want to put like a carpet down and just no sand zone. True. I understand having like a limited sand zone area. You're never going to get rid of all of it. But okay, you just get it because you accept it when you go to the sand. Sure, but they don't even want to accept it in the first place. Hence, it's they don't want to go to the beach at all. The lake people. I myself, like, yeah, hashtag lake life right there. I could be the pivot. Maybe they don't like, I don't know. I can't explain it because, you know, I'm a salt guy. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, you're, you're salt life through um, and through. But <laughs> speaking of the salt on your body, when I was in Greece. Uh, brag. Yeah. <laughs> when I was vacationing in Greece. <laughs> Specifically, um, the Amalfi Coast. No, <laughs> <laughs> we were in Santorini. Okay, so picture this: <laughs> we yeah. were um, we were kayaking the Aegean, of course. Aegean, <laughs> Aegean. There you go. <laughs> it was one of the bays over there, um, and. You're kayaking, and you're like, oh, this is so great. Everything's perfect in this world. And you're getting, like, the spray of the water. Mm -hmm. And it's hot out, too. So the spray is, like, 
uh, is drying on you, and you get Instant the salt, drying. and you yeah. get the salt crystals. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting because I, I feel like we don't have as much salt in our water here to get that. It, the it salinity was, is definitely yeah, higher. So it was super interesting to see that and be like, oh, I'm just sea salt right now. Correct. So I have my own brand of sea salt is what I'm saying. Yeah, Gavin, he's he's trying to launch, soft launch of his own <laughs> sea salt brand. Every fleck of salt came off of his arm. <laughs> scrape. He just they leaves scrape. his arm in the water. So uh, the EU's not big on it because apparently it's like, you know, has all this my personal... But Great you know, Britain loves but, it. And that's why they left. Getting around it with the FDA. That's why, that's why Brexit happened was so they could get Gavin's arm salt. I think there were some reasons like, um, I know Turkey didn't join the EU because of some food restrictions that they were trying to prevent them from doing so. Yeah. But I picked that up when I was in Istanbul, <laughs> <laughs> which was actually after Santorini. Listen, this was like 2015. City of doesn't, Cats. Doesn't have Istanbul. C- City of Cats. And interesting enough. Yes, it's true. It's true. Meow, meow, cats. This was a ch- that trip, the trip to Greece was because my friend won her showcase showdown on The Price is Right. What? Yeah. Really? I was the friend that got to go with her. What? And since we were already in that part of the world, she also spun a dollar on the wheel. I'm not making this up. Carrie Maloney. Wow. Yeah. That's really awesome. Good friend. Uh, so we were already over there. So you're like, you're halfway around the world. Let's go to like something else. So we went to Istanbul. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a great time to go to Turkey. Now it's I only have different. a friend that lost on Legends of the Hidden Temple mm. on the Steps of Knowledge. And I'm, I I never let him live it down. I'm Carrie, like, you absolute loser. She won a car, too. A Ford what? Fiesta. She sold it back. <laughs> Because uh, there's like, you know, there's a whole cottage industry of people that buy the prizes over yeah, there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaks. And uh, I think she won a trip to Vegas, too. She cleaned up. Yeah. She did well for herself. Uh, yeah. Hey, call in and, and let us know, okay? I don't think she listens. And if anyone else, she definitely doesn't. Yeah, but if you've won a game show, if call you won in, a big please. prize. Exactly. What's you, the biggest prize you've ever won? You show won. me your prizes. And Send all your prizes, the Kara. lead to prize getaways. Huh? We'll come. We don't care. Anyway. Have a good weekend, everyone. Gavin, say goodbye to them. Remember, Gavin's arm salt will be in stores and Trader Joe's near you soon enough. So with that, I, I, I think I should get a cut out of after this pitch here. So anyway, Gavin, give him the credits. It'll be super expensive, but so luxurious, just like those metal salts. <laughs> But thank you for listening to the pod. Thank you for our callers, CJ. Love hearing from you. Of course, Amy, I like hearing from you too. <laughs> I hear from every day. So you're across the street, just like you hear CJ. That's across the street, across the way in our offices, of course. You can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or giving us a shout, 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news at scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers for the South Carolina lead. I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. It's the third best alien movie. In front of what? Alien 3. Oh, okay. You know, let's just not. Alien Resurrection. Don't. <laughs> alien 3. You're going to do that to me, and you know my passion for Alien 3, which but is so bad. 